0: Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. Over the last several years, there have been a number of tests that have come to market which help doctors better understand to characterize a patient's DNA so that we can look at those characterizations and better understand how to mix medications, why perhaps one is working better than the other, or why there may be certain enzymatic or other problems that are interfering with our ability to give the best medication treatment with the fewest side effects. It's a brand new science and something that needs to be understood. Dr. Catherine Passarello is a biochemist who has worked in this area for many years and she very graciously joins us today to explain some of these issues. Dr. Passarello, thank you for being with us. Let's begin with some history. Give us a little bit of history, please.
1: The history of genetics and psychiatry stemmed from the twin studies that mental illness was inheritable and studying how they actually were more inherited within the family. So twins had between a 40 and 70% chance of having the same disease, as opposed to that dropping down to 10% within the same family, and then really relatively no risk outside of that family. So that really led us to understand that mental illness was very much heritable. Uh, With the discovery of genes, understand that the inheritance would then come from a genetic standpoint. So for many years between when all those twin studies were done and to when actual data has been able to come out in the past four years, because of the genome-wide association studies, so the GWAS studies. And that has given us the possibility of understanding different single nucleotide polymorphisms and certain genes that may be involved in the inheritability of certain diseases. Aside from that, since we don't have a clear understanding as to mental illness and exactly what genetic variations are causing certain illnesses, there is this understanding of now how certain medications can be influenced by genetics, which only makes sense just as we look around. In layman's term, we all talk about people who are having fast metabolisms versus slow metabolisms and why certain people can eat certain ways and certain people cannot eat certain ways. The lay population has an understanding of this type of topic. Now it's taking that topic into what is medically necessary pharmaceuticals in mental illness. As to what medications are most likely to work, this would be the main goal. This is where science is taking us. Right now where we are is what medications are most likely to cause the most side effects.
0: Is it like the infectious disease doctor?
1: No, it's not. Not at all. Because with infectious disease and in oncology, you can send out a portion of yourself that is incorrect. So then when you're in the lab, you can then really match up the type of medication to what is wrong. You're treating something that is wrong. With mental illness, there's no type of fixing that we're doing. We're trying to help the patient. It's more of a chronic illness. So there's nothing that we can test for and say, let me go and fix it with a medication. We're just really trying to understand what are the interactions between certain medications and what we can find out about a patient.
0: What sort of hard data do we expect to get from this type of testing?
1: What it ends up giving is more information in regards to the patient that a physician can use to clinically assess whether one medication is more appropriate versus another, or what medication may give the most issues in order to avoid those failures that are due to some sort of interaction, genetic interaction. And In mental illness, having a failure can set a patient back more so than the other type of disease. And so avoiding those medications that might actually cause a worse effect than when the patient even started. So we're trying to avoid those interactions between the medication and that person. So increased side effects where that person can't even go to work.
0: How do they help us understand the mixing or not mixing of certain medicinals?
1: The genetic information that we try to understand that is relevant to how a medication works are divided into two different types of genes, pharmacokinetic genes and pharmacodynamic genes. And this really speaks to how the medication either is being metabolized and how a medication is actually working. When mixing of medications, usually when it comes to having drug-drug interactions, which is something well known, is because there is some sort of interaction between the metabolism of the two medications. We know that there is not just the interaction between two medications, but there's also the interaction between the medication and the patient and how they're metabolizing that particular medication, going through a particular pathway, then you can better understand if there is going to be a more negative interaction or it's not going to be a problem depending on the genetics of the patient.
0: For those who don't know the difference, please explain what's the difference between a pharmacokinetic notion and a pharmacodynamic notion. Tell us a little bit more about these concepts.
1: Pharmacokinetic notion is how a medication is processed by the body. How is it metabolized? How is it absorbed? How it goes through our body and then eventually excreted. Those are all of the pharmacokinetic properties of a medication. The pharmacodynamic properties are what is actually that medication doing to our bodies? What is the mechanism of action? Where is it actually going? And so in psychiatric medications, you're assuming that it's something within the brain, some sort of receptor, some sort of transporter. And so genes that affect these type of interactions would be on the pharmacokinetic side would be liver enzymes that would affect the metabolism of a medication. And so it's not only the excretion but certain medications have active metabolites or are considered pro-drugs so they actually need to go through a process of metabolism to even work. Then it would also affect with excretion and so it would affect dosing and half-life. On the pharmacodynamic side, if you have certain genetic variations, you might not respond well to a particular type of medication because you just don't have a receptor or a transporter that binds well to a particular medication that it would work on.
0: We often hear about something called the cytochrome P450 system. It's a huge subject. It's so complex. It's so integral to all of this, but we need a little bit of an introduction. Please take us on such a walk.
1: The cytochrome P450 system is a system of 56 enzymes in the liver. The liver metabolizes or breaks down everything that our body intakes. It's our filter. These enzymes function to break down medications, but not only medications. It breaks down a lot of other things that we intake, even any hormones that are in our bodies. It all goes through the liver. So if we have variations in these enzymes or enzymatic capacity or speed of enzymatic capacity, or lack thereof enzymatic capacity, you could only imagine how you may not be able to clear certain things out of your body or activate certain other medications. In layman's terms or what people really recognize, certain populations are able to process alcohol while certain other ethnic groups can't. This is kind of what we're talking about, the ability to break down medication.
0: We hear about the term rapid metabolizer, slow metabolizer, intermediate metabolizer, ultra-rapid metabolizer. How does this information apply itself to when we're trying to find how to use a particular treatment or medication with a patient?
1: Every enzyme has its own property. There are, as I said, in the p 450 system, there are 56 enzymes, and every enzyme has its own phenotype. So every enzyme can either be ultra rapid, normal, extensive, poor metabolizer. And so it really speaks to the capacity at which the enzyme is working. And so if a medication goes through a particular pathway or needs a particular enzyme to activate, it would then affect how the dosing would work for a particular medication, or if that medication would even be likely to work. Because if a medication needs a, let's say is a prodrug and has an active metabolite and it needs to be metabolized, if the enzyme is not working, then you can intake that medication, but it would never be converted to its active form.
0: So if a patient comes to a doctor and says the medication is not working, Maybe the initial thought would be to simply increase the amount of medication, and maybe sometimes that's appropriate, but sometimes increasing it may not be the real answer because of the way it's metabolizing.
1: So having this information can let the physician really understand what would then be an appropriate medication that maybe bypass a certain system or change dosing. So having that information, you can say, should I push a drug, should I push the, the dose, Should I change the medication? Is it not working because I'm using the wrong dosing, the wrong type of medication, or should I augment? Giving that background information on that person's genetics allows the physician to then see a little bit clearer as to what's happening.
0: So a doctor may say, oh, this is obviously not working, let's go to a higher dose. And that may not necessarily be the solution because the basic molecule, the medicine that the person is swallowing may never actually be turned into the active metabolite or it may be at such a slow process that they're not getting enough of the drug that we want them to have. This simply speaks to how it is metabolized and brought to the brain. It doesn't necessarily speak to what it's going to do once they get into the brain. It's not necessarily related to a therapeutic value. Am I correct?
1: This would be what we just spoke about with the liver enzymes and cyp 450 system is all of the pharmacokinetic side. Then there's the pharmacodynamic side, which is how the medication would actually work. So a patient can be completely normal in their enzymatic capacity, but when it's brought to the brain, then there's nothing to bind to or the binding is not very strong. So then that medication would have very low efficacy. What it's supposed to be doing to the brain is actually not, not doing that. Having that information beforehand, a physician can then decide what type of medication to use, what mechanism of action would be most appropriate for a particular patient.
0: Many people have heard of Prozac. Many people have heard of the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, but we're now looking at even another concept that's very important. This is known as a serotonin transporter, a device that actually moves the serotonin into and out of the cells. So if someone is not getting better and they're on, we'll just use the name Prozac, a good old drug. Simply giving them more of the PROZAC may not work because the transport system is not working. We can now measure that.
1: Right. So there are check for the serotonin serotonin transporter. And there is a particular genotype that has been identified that has been linked to having high efficacy of treatment, so treatment success, remission and response to an SSRI. And then there's other genotypes that have been linked to not having an appropriate response. And so there are lower rates of remission and lower rates of response. If a physician has this information beforehand, then The physician can then choose to go with a classic SSRI or choose another medication with another mechanism of action. This type of information becomes standard of practice. I would like to see how this changes because right now SSRIs are the first line of action. And the frequency of these genotypes is there's only about 30% of the population that would then be most likely to respond to an SSRI. So having that information may help increase that first time patient response to a medication, it may not. We will see that with more research.
0: I look at this as an opportunity to look inside the person's body, so to speak, so that I can get a reasonably good understanding of what's going to happen to this medication when I prescribe it to a patient.
1: Right, it ends up being more as a more complete family history. We ask all these questions to our patients, And, you know, what did your mom take? What did your dad take? What have you taken, right? And the reason why you're asking those questions is to maybe avoid certain types of medication, understand what is going on with that person. So having these genetic tests will also allow that at a deeper level.
0: I like that concept that we're looking into a deeper level of family history. It it makes a great deal of sense. Okay, people ask, or at least there seems to be an assumption that the genes that we get at conception, from the moment of conception, are the genes that we have forever. But we now know that things change. It's an important concept that we at least have to take a quick look at. It's a bit complex, but it's important to begin to hear some of it. And what I'm talking about is epigenetics.
1: Epigenetics is information that's laid upon our genetics or our DNA. And really, if we consider DNA to be a book of information, you have the same book in every single cell. However, the book would be opened to be read or to be translated into information in different parts of the book. Different chapters are open in each cell of the body. This is all done by epigenetic modifications or markers. And there are various stressors that can affect all of these markers and where the book is actually open to in order to adapt at real time and over time to different stressors in our our life. So second question, now that we've defined epigenetics, how do these genetic tests give us more information as to epigenetics? Unfortunately, right now, this is strictly just genetics. Unlike, let's say, oncology, who is already using epigenetics in the development of pharmaceuticals or having epigenetic indications for different pharmaceuticals, in psychiatry, we are not there yet. Unfortunately, research in psychiatry is a lot more difficult because in order to get that type of information, we need to do research on cadavers instead of on just cells. And we can't biopsy our patients. We can't say, hey, excuse me, can we open up your brain so I can see what's actually going on there? which is very different than in oncology where you actually want to take out the tumor. That's why psychiatry is behind in the science, and that's why we are at this moment with just genetics and the interaction between the genetics and the pharmaceutical.
0: It speaks to a very different world, a whole different way of thinking about things. Do you think we're ever going to be able to get to the point when we can, so to speak, go backwards, when we can correct a genetic abnormality to help a person function better? I know there's some of it already going on, but I'd like to hear your thoughts about this
1: in science in general, not in psychiatry, that is where it's headed. We want to be able to manipulate the epigenetics of a cell and we also want to manipulate certain genes. So there is a whole strand of therapeutics that is emerging called gene therapy where we give patients, patients may be animals at the moment, but you introduce genetic information into a virus where that virus would then go to a particular cell and try to fix the genetics of a cell that is not working appropriately or a system that's not working appropriately with epigenetic type of medications. We have HDAC inhibitors that are being developed, so histone deacetylase inhibitors, and these are being used in oncology. Um, These are pharmaceuticals, medications that are directed in changing the epigenetics of a particular cell.
0: A fascinating topic and worthy of much more discussion, I hope people don't become intimidated by it, but I also want them to put it in perspective because it can be a useful tool at times. Catherine Passarello is a biochemist by training. She has worked in the area of genetics and genetic testing for a number of years, and she's been very kind to give us this overview, and I thank you very much, and we're going to get you back so we can talk about some of these things in greater detail. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.